Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. LMFM Podcasts with CNC Carpets. We bring the showroom to you. Or you can book a personal consultation at our fabulous new showroom in Moortown, Dramiskin. Call 087-660-40-237 or visit our website at cnccarpets.com to book an appointment. CNC Carpets for all your carpet and wood flooring needs. Welcome to Midweek Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Yesterday afternoon, you do know if you're one of our regulars, or if you're just joining us today, I'll tell you the wee story. We did a wander down uh, memory lane. Nostalgia. People absolutely love it. What were we talking about? Spicer's Bakery. And of course, they were in Navin, Trim, Kells and Balbriggan. Well, I can tell you this. We were inundated with reaction from you, our listeners. And it was incredible to read all the stories and the memories and the fondness for Spicers. And believe it or not, we're returning to it again today, but for a very special reason. Because a member of the Spicer family was listening in yesterday and contacted us later on and was just thrilled to hear what was going on on late lunch. I'm delighted to say hello this afternoon to Claire Spicer. Hello, Claire. Hello, Gary. Thank you for joining me on the show today. Well, well, well. You came across us, did you, by accident? Tell us the story. What happened yesterday? You were tuned in. Oh, absolutely. Um, I have a little one and a half year old in the car and she loves listening to music. So I was going through the radio stations and the next thing I heard people talking about um, their favourite bachelors <laughs> and their memories of spicers. And I went, oh my goodness, me. <laughs> so I stayed tuned in and I picked up my other two from school I said guys they're talking about um, our family business <laughs> this is amazing <laughs> I love it I love it. the power of radio Claire that's what yeah, it's about and I'm extraordinary yes and I'm delighted you were tuned in to us and, and you got what I said there didn't you the warmth the memories the love for yeah. you yeah yeah absolutely very very touching now you are Claire Spicer explain to us who you are and where you sit in the family tree Yes, so I'm the youngest of the six children of John Spicer, the late John Spicer, and uh, my mum is Elizabeth, and my eldest brother, Johnny, he um, was the last manager of the business. So you would have been in the business yourself, I take it? Well, we, uh, you know, we were all involved from a young age, whether it was packing boxes in the shop at Christmas or... Uh, serving at the counter during summertime or then in the office, you know, depending on our age we were allowed and, mm. and how responsible we were. And were you Navin-based? Was Navin your focus? I lived in Navin until college and then, no, I moved to Italy and I've been, I've literally, I came back last Thursday. I've literally just moved back to Ireland. <laughs> well, talk about timing and, uh, you know, know, karma that you're actually back here and that you were tuned in to us yesterday. So you were in Italy 20 years. What part of Italy? Pavia, it's just south of Milan. I was teaching English there and uh, then worked in a primary school and, um, yeah, ended up, you know, as, as vice principal there for uh, for the last few years until heartstrings and COVID said, mm, it's time to come home. <laughs> ah, so you're back home now for good? Yeah, yeah, please God, please God. Yes, great stuff. And I believe in the term in Feckin area, where incidentally, your mum lives, doesn't she? Ah, very true, very true. She's made a very happy home for herself. You know, she's wonderful. We've all got wonderful memories of Navin and really such a warm community. 
And I was thinking about it last night, just thinking, oh, my goodness me, the ability to walk down the street, you know, and be greeted and... um, such wonderful memories from there but yeah but her heart now is by the sea (laughs) (laughs) and I know she's big time involved isn't she with the RNLI that's right yes exactly yeah yeah volunteering there doing amazing work as she always has that's her heart to love and to serve is my mum (laughs) ah goes with mammies it's all in the news yeah I don't have to tell you this weather with a famous mammy as well I want to say hello to your mum Liz this afternoon and delighted to hear she's hale and hearty and living in term and feck and come back to you and the shop on that what what are your memories like when you think back your earliest memories your memories of being involved in the business yourself I think it was a real privilege to really, as I say, to be able to see um, just the life of the community that came and went into the shop, the chat that could be had. I miss that. You know, you can go and do your supermarket shop, but that's all it is. You're going in to get your goods and out you go. You're lucky if you get a friendly cashier, uh, someone at the desk, you know. But really, I really like the, the, the shops on that on the main street of Navin. You know, it was the people were caring for you. You cared about the customer who came to the door. You probably knew them. You knew where they lived. You knew their grandchildren, you know, and their orders were often ready for them before they even walked in the door. You know, that's what I really feel community is missing at the moment in many parts of the world, many parts of Ireland, I'm sure, still. I'm only learning now about Ireland again. <laughs> yes. But, you know, that personal touch really yeah. is, is what I think um, what, what we all really need and, and, and often isn't present. I am fortunate because... You do know McCluskey's Bakery is thriving here in Drogheda and they're supplying into Louthmead and other places, North County, County Dublin as well and beyond. And they have two local shops, really. And the shop on Trinity Street, I go into uh, at least once a week, maybe more. And you're right, I have it still. I know what you're talking about. Uh, the people in the shop and my connection with them, it's just priceless, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was always the time for the bit of chat. You know, it was often about the weather or just how, as I say, how the family was yeah. or, you know, mm. a laugh or two. Um, yeah, that that's very, very precious. And it was great to be involved in that. And, you know, you do the satisfaction uh, of, of that. But then also the privilege, can I say, of having the bread come home to our home and the treats <laughs> that come to our home. <laughs> when I heard about one family, like, sharing a bun, I'm like, oh, goodness, we had the fresh beans coming home most days. Weren't we spoiled? Yeah, very Weren't privileged. You spoiled? And when you think of it, you heard people yesterday talking about the batch, my favourite, the yeah. toast roll, the lovely fresh toast roll sliced in the yellow and red wrapper. I loved yeah. it. I truly loved it. And your confectionery, the chest cakes oh wonderful wonderful my friends used to love the roundy pans they called them the roundy pans and the amount that would come into our home was just phenomenal and the hour the smell of toast in our house especially Saturdays and Sundays from about 11 to 12 you know from the early morning until midday depending on the kids that got up in their age yeah so wonderful wonderful memories but even the staff you know the staff we had at Spices my mum used to always say you're only as good as your staff. Yeah. And that uh, word has to go out to them. I know I'm talking to many people's relatives now. Um, really, whether it was the office or the bakery or the shops, we really were so blessed, you know, to have the people because that's what made the difference. You know, you can have a wonderful product, but if you don't have people to to, to, to manage the um, the business side of things, and especially, I think, the service side of things, the van men, you know, mm. God bless them, mm. as in all sorts of weather and conditions, really. Um, you know, we were very, very blessed with... Uh, with, with the quality of staff that we had. Um, and yes, I know the, the, the breads and cakes were delicious, but as I say, the smile on the people's faces that would give it to you, that makes a big difference too. The names we received yesterday coming to us, Tommy Mockler, Stephen Sheridan, George yes. Kilbride, the O'Donnell yes. dynasty, Catherine today, her dad Michael, her granddad Jim, John Mahoney, yes. Johnny Monaghan, Benny Clark, Matty yes. Carey, and of course, top of the pile, Patsy Connolly. His name came to us so oh, many times. Connolly. Yeah, you remember yeah, wow, those wow. some of those people well, don't you? Absolutely, absolutely. As I say, some would come to our home, you know, or, or every like huge adventure for us as younger children you know, to go to the bakery and down to the mill 
and uh, oh, seeing everything up and running, it was amazing. Well, not so much the bread that was made during the night time, but um, yeah, oh, wonderful, wonderful. So as I say, warmth, the warmth. If I think back at Navan, that's the word that comes mm. to me. And you, you see, know, the, the, bre- the bread men get the focus because they were the interface. You talk about the shops and they were yeah. the interface of spices to the people. But behind the scenes, as you said, all the others, the bakers who were up in the middle of the night, firing the ovens, baking the bread, all those people who made the whole thing come together. Now, just just to, to refresh, you were in Navan, Balbriggan, Kells and Trim. And all of the, I didn't realise this, all of the sites had shops, but they all baked on those sites. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. As I said, the three, um, we had Trim was the confectionery and then the other three were, were the bread. Yes. Navin was the mill, was it? Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's where the mill was, exactly. Okay. Trim had bread as well. So yeah, yes. I was here too. <laughs> yeah, and, and so, so the confection was just in one place in Trim. What was your exactly. favourite? What was your favourite uh, sweet treat? Oh, my goodness. That's, that's such a hard question. Um, I would think, I think mince pies at Christmas, they, were, they went down in very large quantities. <laughs> and I have to say the apple pie as well during the year. That was, oh, my goodness me. Because I'm not a big fan myself of fresh cream, so I like the sweeter things in life. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think between the, um, the, the apple tart, I think, and then the mince pies, oh, yum. <laughs> with mum's homemade brandy butter <laughs> <laughs> oh listen you were spoiled there's no doubt about that the oh, memories please. are coming to us as I speak 086-1800-658 we're back with Spicers again today and we're talking to Claire Spicers one of the Spicer family if you have memories 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text keep them coming to us people mentioned you heard them yesterday they could still smell all these years later the smell of the baking going on and that that wonderful warm feeling you get from it when you think about you know the early opening and that sure I mentioned it a moment ago there were bakers and people in there in the middle of the night weren't there yeah oh absolutely absolutely which again you know most people just think of the the shops because that's where they get it but the hard work of the bakers at all sorts of times and in all sorts of conditions you know and 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 whatever trials there may have been I'd say you need to talk to my brother more about even the the or or mum about you know those who are in the office making sure this it all worked it's, it's a technical procedure and not easy by any stretch of the imagination. So it took a huge team of people to make sure that that loaf of bread was available. Um, yeah, very impressive. And you'd never tire of it. You'd never tire of it yourself. She's yeah. had it on your, at your fingertips there, as you mentioned as well. Can you beat anything like a fresh loaf and the softness of the bread? And, that? and I, love, I actually love fresh bread toasted slightly. Do you know what I mean? Not, not overdone. Yeah. You know that yeah, type of with yeah. lots of butter on it and jam and a mug of skull to wash it down. Oh, stop. I think I'll leave here this minute. I'm heading for the kitchen. <laughs> well, I remember Dad talking about that. Absolutely. What he wanted to make, he did not want to compromise on the quality. And that was something that he, you know, when supermarkets started coming in big time. And yes, you could get a loaf of bread from, I don't, I don't know the comparison. I wasn't doing the shopping, but cheaper. Sure. But it was how much flour was in there and how much water was in there. And, you know, and, and dad did not want to compromise on the quality. And that is something I think that that's why the, the people can still smell it today. <laughs> because <laughs> that's what it was. It was a quality product, for sure. For sure. Lisa Carroll kicked this off with us, as you know, because she is very interested in recording for posterity the history of Spicers and recording people's memories and uh, keeping it for all time. And she's having, I want to mention it again, very special evening in the solstice in Navin, Thursday the 29th of September at half past seven. And again, to say to listeners, if you want to get in touch with us with, with Elisa, it's storiesfromspicers at gmail.com. That's storiesfromspicers at gmail.com to get in touch with Lisa. Do you yourselves have uh, much in the way of memorabilia of the bakery as a family? As far as I'm aware, I don't think so, but I'd have to look into it. I don't think we've much memorabilia from the bakery itself, no. But um, it's extraordinary that you mentioned that date. Just, I, I just have to say, if, uh, it's actually my mum and dad's wedding anniversary is the 29th of September. Now, Lisa, I don't think was aware of that. But when we found out that that was the date that she chose, I said, oh my goodness me, you mentioned karma. I said, yes. The Lord's at work for sure. <laughs> well, isn't that just something else that the, those dates coincide? Incredible. Wow. Um, wow. 
but uh, like when you think of the generations, was it six generations of your family stretching back, what, hundred hundred or more years? I think it was six, yes, yes. Again, I, I'm not the best of the, the, uh, of the family history, but I know there's a beautiful um, a document on the, on the Irish Navin History Society, Historical Society, and I was fascinated to read it myself. Mm. Um, because it's amazing to see, and that's you know the, the history of the family and the generations that have gone before, and how involved they were in the community. That's the extraordinary part. You know, it wasn't just a business un- unto itself, as far as I can observe, but it was really was a business that had the you know the Navan community at heart and, and that wanted to contribute to the community, which ultimately makes sense because it was our own family growing up there. You know, so whatever benefit Navan had ultimately came back to, to us as a family too. Mm. So I think it was, a, you know, kind of the give and receive um, that went on for the generations is extraordinary. Yeah. Uh, the messages are coming into us here as we speak. Jerry, will you add John Doherty from At Boy, another one of the Spices bread men who gave great service for many years. And I can tell you, Jerry, he's remembered fondly. That comes in from Lily Mangan in At Boy this afternoon. Hello, Lily. Lovely to hear from you. Uh, Mina Curran's been on to say my husband Figgy worked as a baker in Spices for 21 years in both Kells and Navin. Ah, oh, you know, and there's more coming there as I speak. I, I, we, there's definitely something has welled up here. Claire, that's amazing and it's going to be amazing. And when Lisa gets to grips with all of this, well, I think there's something very special down the road. Yeah. Look, you're, you're lovely to join us today and thanks so much. And I'm so grateful that Cameron brought you to us yesterday and on to us again on the show today. Wish your mum and everybody in the family well. And thanks again. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And we'll, we'll try as many as possible, I think, to be there on the 29th. We'll, we'll definitely, it'll be very, very special. Good thank on you. Lisa. And thank you, Jerry. Thank you very much, everybody. You're very welcome. Take care. Bye bye. That's Claire Spicer there, one of the Spicer family. Uh, that's evoked amazing memories and commentary to us here on LMFM's Late Lunch. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Oh, I have to give a shout out to Tommy Weldon from Dunderry. Dundry to many people. Yes, lorry driver with spices. Delighted to mention him this afternoon. Uh, I didn't hear you, Jerry, mention Joe McLarney's name. He used to call to us in Kilmes and what a wonderful bread man, Suzanne. May he rest in peace. Uh, wonderful to hear Claire Spicer on the programme today, Jerry. They were my neighbours for all of my life. A wonderful family. My bread was delivered by Mr Connolly or a Mr Madden to my door for 35 years. We all missed the bakery and the family so much much from a neighbour, Anne-Marie. Isn't that touching? It really is. And the love for spices just goes on and on, I have to say. Now, we love our four-legged friends too, don't we, in Ireland? Yes, we do. And no bigger dog lover than myself. I want to say hello to Messi, my Labrador, today. She'll never know, but I'll remind him this evening when I go home. Anyway, we love them, we do. But take your mind back to 2019 and the Primetime Investigates programme about greyhounds and their fate their fate after the finish racing and it was estimated that 6,000 greyhounds disappear off the radar radar every year in Ireland. Has the situation changed? There were big promises made, there was new rules brought in and regulations. Well, I, I'm going to have a chat now with somebody who's on the face, on the coal face, because she's from Haven, the Haven Rescue. Her name is Jenny Nolan and she joins me on the line. Hello, Jenny. Hi, how are you? I'm really good. Thanks uh, for being with us on late lunch this afternoon. No problem well, at all. I, I put that question to you. You are facing, you know, you take in many, many dogs. What's the story with greyhounds? Yeah, so um, I'm part of the Haven Rescue. Um, so we were funded, or not funded, founded back in 2017. Um, myself and another girl called Rosie, uh, we founded it. So we started quite small and then I suppose grew quite big quite quickly. <laughs> um, and I suppose, yeah, it's just the sheer volume of dogs, especially in the last maybe six months, um, that just needs somewhere to go is absolutely crazy. Um, I suppose when COVID started, even on our social media posts, like you know yourself when you go onto Facebook, you get your memories. Um, and two years ago, we were putting up posts of asking people to please stop plaguing the phone to ask for this dog and that dog, that we didn't have any puppies available, that we didn't really have many dogs for adoption. Um, and now... Fast forward two years later, we're now on social media saying, please, we have a huge surrender list. Please be patient with us while we try and work through 
the sheer volume of dogs being surrendered. Um, and I suppose, yeah, we would predominantly deal with an awful lot of greyhounds and an awful lot of lurchers. Um, they're kind of not our go-to breed, but I suppose a breed that we that we love and that we try our level best to try and help. Mm. Um, so, like, the pounds across the country absolutely flooded with dogs. I think anyone that's on social media now, um, if you click into your Facebook or your Instagram feed, you'll see rescues all across the country pleading for foster homes and um, pleading for help for transport to try and get dogs from A to B to literally just try and take all these dogs out of the pounds and they're everywhere mm. um, like every rescue phone and I'll talk about our phone like our phone is constantly ringing looking with people trying to surrender their dogs and um, dogs that they went out and they purchased as puppies and now they've gone back to work and you know yourself life is kind of yes. coming back to normal and you're going out for your drinks on a Friday night and now this puppy that's never been left alone so any Friday so, night yes. is like cracking up and they're like oh no I need to be with someone the whole time so yeah I think it's a it's a very big crisis at the minute well um, you you know context, context it and paint the picture so well there so from it was a famine may I say it's the other way around yes, to a yeah. feast now in terms of the amount of dogs that you're being asked to take and try to yeah. move on I want to come back in particular and I know it's all dogs and I hear what you're saying and it, it, it's it, it's a shocking scenario we're in now let's come back to greyhounds in particular because I introduced this yeah. by saying uh, you're familiar with that RT investigates back yeah. in uh, 2019 yeah. 6,000 greyhounds and I saw you posting uh, recently uh, you took in 11 pups now people might think pups are small dogs but these are 11 Greyhound pups. Yeah, sixty. When, pup, when people think of puppies, they think um, yes. very small, cute, cute little, little fellas. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but these are but, still pups at sixteen months old. But they're actually yeah. finished in the racing game. Yes. Um. So we took in eleven pups. Well, I call them pups, but they're still they're young dogs. They're still pups. Um. If you try and walk them, they're still a puppy. They're still jumping up yes. and chewing everything and having the crack. Um. Yeah. And they were not suitable to be raced or to be coursed. Um. So they've come to us. So. Yeah, two years later, it's there's still a huge a huge volume of dogs being bred, um, and I suppose it just really what happens to them. Um, we're still seeing an awful lot of young greyhounds come to us, young greyhounds, old greyhounds, um, every type of greyhounds, and I suppose every rescue across the country has a waiting list of them as well. And are the um, trainers ringing you? Everyone rings, <laughs> trainers, um, and they just they're just. They plead their case for their dog and they're trying their their best to try and find somewhere for them to go. But where where can they go? Like, there's only so much space for yes. them. And I suppose that and, and we're still in that problem. Yeah. Can I ask you this about, about rehoming a, a greyhound puppy or a greyhound per se? And I have to put my cards on the table. My dad was a greyhound trainer and we raced yeah. all our lives as well. Uh, but what are they like as a pet? Amazing. You ever... In the pandemic, an awful lot of people came to us. And I suppose we had a huge volume of greyhounds then, like we do every week and every day. And every day we get phone calls to take in greyhounds. Um, and we were pushing people that probably would never would have thought of having one in the house. They're like, oh, I'd never be able to walk that. Or, Jesus, do you think, how fit do you think I am having to walk that 20 miles every day? Uh, no, 100% no. Um, 15, 20 minutes of a walk and your greyhound will be flopped out for the rest of the day. Mm. Um, people have this conception that just because they see him running around a track or they see them run on a, you know, on a course and field that they require huge volumes of exercise. And that's not true. Um, they're very lazy, very loving dogs. They make fabulous pets uh, for kids. Um, some of them can live with cats. Some of them can live with smaller dogs. It all just depends on the individual dog. Mm. And I think there's a big conception there that, um, or a preconception that, oh, I'd never be able to have my greyhound live with a cat. Whereas we have some huge big coarse and boys that have gone on to live with cats and they're the best friends. <laughs> no so, problems so at all. So it all depends on the individual Yes, animals. you're waxing lyrically about them. You say there's no problem. They make good pets. They don't need that much exercise. Back to the nub of the issue. And you're right, so many pups are born in Ireland every year yeah. and the foreign industry, racing and coursing. And the problem was in the past, they were sent abroad. Yeah. And, and they're still being sent abroad. Are well. they? Are they? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I suppose when they leave Ireland, what happens to them? Um, what are their like? What are their plans of where are they going to end up? Will they end up on a couch? Will they have a pet home? What happens? Um, even here in Ireland, like we're trying our level best to get them out with pets. Um, 
but it's very hard to rehome the sheer volume of dogs that we're asked to take mm. every day. Like, I don't know, do you know 6,000 people that want a greyhound as a pet today? No, no, when I tell you, uh, 6,000 people are more concerned about their energy bills and how they're going yeah. to survive the winter. And I understand, with no disrespect uh, to, to greyhounds or any no, other No, 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 and we, would, you know work, we yeah. would work with an awful lot of trainers um, that would hold on to their dogs yeah. um, and wait on their list. Like we have a surrender list at the minute um, and the lads are placed on lists and they're happy to hold their dogs until space can come in. But then, of course, it's the dogs that it's just the sheer volume. It's We can't cope with the sheer volume. Mm. And I suppose um, we always did kind of have a quite a good outlet to the UK across to rescues there that would help us rehome them um, out to Sweden and to Italy. But of course, the pressure has come on to those rescues and in those countries as well. Yes. And now they don't have the same volume of homes. Um, it's so expensive to try and we actually have a call this evening with um, a rescue in America to try and see will they be able to help us rehome some dogs but America? Yes we have sent dog. we sent four um, greyhounds to America before we sent Donal uh, Bear um, Texas and Dallas to America and their families send them back or send back lovely updates of them yeah, so you're uh, living happy. their best life out yes, there yes you're happy and, and, and so that's one thing about us mm. um, all of our dogs when they come into us, we obviously we get all their vet work done, and we get whatever they get neutered, they're worn, they're defleed, they get their teeth fixed up if they need their teeth fixed, they get X-rays if they need X-rays, um, and then they come to us first. We kind of assess them a little bit first to see what they like or what they don't like. Then we place them out into a foster home so we can assess them kind of in a wide range of different kind of circumstances. So if they're good with kids or if they don't like kids or how they're like if they live in town or if they don't like to live in town. Um, and then we place them up on our social media for rehoming. Um, and then sadly, sometimes we just don't have enough homes mm. here in Ireland. So we send those profiles abroad then to the girls in the UK or Italy or Sweden. Um, and then those girls will promote them abroad um, and try and find homes for them then. But once they leave us, um, like tomorrow we have seven seven greyhounds leave us tomorrow um, to go to the UK onto their new homes and onto their new rescue placements but we'll always keep in touch with those dogs mm-hmm. um, so we'll always see them when we get the pictures back and I suppose with, with us in the Haven Rescue we're very proud of seeing them when they're on their couches and we post their little happy ever afters and um, we keep in, we try our level best to keep in touch with all of our dogs as well. My God, you go the extra mile, may I say, for these creatures. You really, really do. <laughs> we try and, anyway. Tell me this, you, you must uh, be government funded to the hilt or you must have uh, uh, somebody uh, who is very generous to support you. How do you keep, how do you keep the show on the road? Um, well, myself and Rosie, we both work full time, so this isn't our full time job, and I think an awful lot of people think it is. Um, but this happens basically in our evenings and in our weekends. Um, so we have a great support of foster homes. We have a transport group. We have a foster WhatsApp group, um, and the girls in those groups are and girls and guys in those groups are great, and they provide a lot of support from us as well. Uh, we do get a small Department of Agriculture grant. Um, I think last year it was. 7,000 but in one vet we spent 55 grand so that doesn't really balance oh my you know something um, you know I know what I'm going to say to you what would we how would we manage in this country without the voluntary effort or the love because you do this for the love of it there's nothing in it yeah. for you only heartache if you can't find a place I'm sure to place these these animals yeah, and, and usually it's always um, a Friday evening that oh I need X amount of dogs out of my house or I need this and it's it's us that end up saying oh well I can't go to that dinner sorry <laughs> I have to go haul some dogs around the country yeah. um, but in fairness we're very well supported on our social medias as well like um, yes. we've had a couple of dogs with broken legs that have come into this over the last couple of months and when you get that call you're like oh how am I going to afford to fix this but we we would ask our supporters and in fairness to them they've always been very good to us Terrific. so Without them, there probably wouldn't be a haven. In fairness, mm. and 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 in in a general sense, just before I finish up, going back to the whole problem, what's the answer? Because I have to be fair now to the government and board and gone as well. When that awful program revealed what was happening, there was big commitments made. There was changes yeah. to happen. You're a little dubious about that, but surely they've implemented. You know what they promised. I answer the phone for the Haven Rescue during the day and the girls on the page take the messages and we still are seeing a huge volume of dogs and greyhounds coming into our care two years later. You've said enough. 
don't say any more. We can just ponder that. I, we we know yeah. what you're saying. So you feel there was commitments, but you're not so sure. Yeah, I, from our point of view, we are still dealing with like 11 grey hemp ups that were born two years after a documentary. Mm. What do you do? <laughs> and there's only so much small independent rescues can do with the resources that we have. For and we sure. don't have an awful lot of resources. Everything, like you said yourself, everything has gotten so expensive. Um, our food bill during the week is €250 Euros a week on just dog food. So that's a nearly two bags of dog food go out in their foster homes and their kennels every evening. So how many, I don't even know how many dog bowls I fill every night when I come home from work. <laughs> but it's not a lot. Um, and yeah, there just doesn't seem to be any letdown. Like we could get calls for maybe 10, 15 greyhounds every day, as well as your 10 or 15 small dogs or yeah. other dogs that people want to try and surrender. So it's just a huge... That's a so huge I would volume. Ask, if anybody wants to adopt <laughs> foster, yeah. um, please get in touch with your local rescue. It doesn't just have to be us, even your local rescue. Um, if you can't foster, if you can't adopt, you can volunteer, you could walk some dogs, you could transport. We're often looking for transports from A to B. Um, just because you don't have to do them the whole time. But mm. yeah, I'll pick I'll pick that one. I'm around it that day and I can do that one. Um even yeah, even simple things like sharing a Facebook post or Yeah. Yeah, just Trying you, you, you're remarkable people. I want to say that, uh, Jenny. You really are. You're remarkable. If people want to find out more about you, is it social media, The Haven Rescue? Yep, The Haven Rescue. We're on um, Facebook and we're on Instagram. Um, so this evening we go to our vets with um, eight of our seven of our greyhounds for their health checks. So there's an awful lot of work in the background of that as well. Yeah. So they need to go for their health checks this evening and then their paperwork needs to be dropped by a volunteer to the Department of Agriculture tomorrow. That all needs to be double-checked. That needs to be picked up. That needs to be brought back to the to the rescue To um, and then all the dogs board on the transporter then tomorrow evening and they go across the Irish Sea tomorrow to, to their new starts. And, and their new that is just a snapshot of a tiny little portion tiny little of in what Tipperary. you do and what you do there. Look, I'm going to leave it there for today. You've posed questions that we will follow up on because uh, this needs to be revisited and to see yeah. where we're at since 2019 for sure. Thank you so much. You're Thank great. You. All I can say is you're fantastic. Thanks so much for having us on. Not at Thank all. You. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Isn't that just something else? What wonderful, wonderful people. The Haven Rescue, if you can help. I'm still thinking about Jenny Nolan. Remarkable, remarkable. Anyway, Miss Garth Brooks is here, there and everywhere in the country, enjoying the hospitality, uh, entertaining people, even when he's not on the stage. But he's back in Croke Park this weekend to complete a set of five concerts. But as you know, sure, it's well known in the world. Country music. The heart of country music is County Monaghan. In fact, sure, it's nearly known as country and Monaghan music. And did you know, per capita of population, more people have gone to see Garth Brooks from the Farney County than any other county in Ireland. Aoife McCooey, welcome to Late Lunch. Hello, how are you, Jerry? I'm really good, and you're a Monaghan woman yourself. I am indeed. I'm born and bred Monaghan woman. Absolutely. What is it in the DNA of the genes of Monaghan people that they love to get out on the floor with the Stetsons on and the boots <laughs> and Uli? Oh, it's just born and bred into us, Jerry. You know, that sort of a way. Um, we have a lot of, lot of legends that came from Blaney that were massive in country music. And it's, so, it's very important to us, I suppose, and we, we pay homage to that. And that's, I suppose, why the, the excitement's there for Garrett Brooks. Mm, it is, and of course you mentioned Blaney and Big Tom, of course, one of the real legends for years and years of the Irish music scene. So with that in mind, and knowing that you are the Irish champions of country music, uh, tell us about Garth Brooks and you and Monaghan, what's happening? So, um, Jerry, I'm a county councillor in Monaghan, I'm from Cascadia specifically, and well actually, Orem is, is the closest uh village to, to where I live and so we'd be, we'd be very involved with Big Tom and re- remembering Big Tom and we have a memorial garden and we have a festival happening actually next weekend in Orem and Castle Blaney with a number of different events and country music and walking tours and all of that sort of stuff going on and I suppose what I'm looking to do is given the fact that we've the highest proportion of tickets sold per head of population in County Monaghan for Garrett Brooks is that well we've all gone to see him 
So we're now extending the invitation for him to come and see us in the home of country music, in the Nashville of Ireland, as Castlevania is very well known. Um, so I suppose that's, that's, the, that's the offer that's on the table. And I think, uh, Jerry, if we can get the message out there and actually get the message to Gareth Brooks, that he, he will actually take us up on the offer, but we're just trying to get the message to him. So our county care here, look, uh, has written to Gareth Brooks and I suppose the big thing we're trying to do is get it uh, big on social media and hopefully get a trend and, and see what happens. Well, you know, we're a little part of that here in LMFM's late lunch today. Hold on, Lady <laughs> um, 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 I'm sending it, I'm sending it to Gart. Where are you, Gart? And are them? Are you listening to what's happening here? Let's get it into his psyche and into his brain and mind. You gotta go to Castle Blaney, Gart. You just gotta, you gotta before you go home. This would be fantastic, Absolutely. wouldn't it? If it happened, I it'd be fantastic. Go on. It'd be a fantastic opportunity and. I think uh, it'd be a missed opportunity for for us uh, if we didn't at least invite him. And I think I think Gareth would really appreciate sort of the contribution that we've made to country music in Castlebany and in Orham and and Monaghan as a whole. Because we have numerous country music festivals that goes on around the county. I'd say we have more festivals than than ninety percent of other yes. counties. And we really promote the music, and it's it's a very important industry. And during COVID, we had so many artists that was that were unemployed and had no business and they're back out now with a bang and if we didn't have the arts we'd have, we'd have, we'd have very little to look forward to and mm. very little in the way of entertainment. So it's so important that we support them and that we appreciate the contributions that they do make to, to society. So absolutely, uh, Jerry, that's the pitch on the table to invite Gareth Brooks down and with your help and we really appreciate uh, having me on today supposed to promote it and, and let people know what we're trying to do. Oh, listen, you got to do it, Gart. you got to come. They'll mob you, they love you. And so they might even put another statue up beside Big Tom. And you'll be, you be there for posterity. <laughs> we could, we might be able to see if you're bad for Yes, we'll do a whip round for that as well. And so the old council might dig deep into its pockets. Listen, you're, you're great, Craig. Thanks for joining me today, Eve. And we've got, to, we've got to finish up our chat with this. Come on, let's hear the man himself. Unanswered prayers. Answer the prayers of the people at Blaney Guard. Thank you, Eva. Thanks, Jerry. <laughs> Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs. And just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean he don't care. To many of our listeners on Late Lunch today, my next guest will be very familiar because he spent time as parish priest of Talonstown and Clawherhead. He's now back editing Intercom magazine and he works here and there in different parishes as well as a relief priest. I'm delighted to say hello to Father Paul Clayton Lee. Paul, you're welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Jerry. It's a pleasure and a privilege to be with you today. Well, you're with me for a reason that in, in in three lifetimes, I'd never have thought I'd come across anything like this. C.S. Lewis, the famous writer, Chronicles of Narnia is probably the he's best known for, but loads more besides. Yeah. You have published a beautiful wee book called C.S. Lewis and the Wee County. Paul, explain him and Louth. Well, it goes back a long way, Jerry. I mean, I didn't discover his associations with Louth until I was an adult myself, even though I'd read his books as a child. But then I noticed in one of the books uh, later on that there was a reference to him having written something at the White Horse Hotel in Drogheda. After that, I discovered, actually, that his brother Warney, who he lived his life with, actually, Warney was an alcoholic, and that Mother Mary Martin had treated him very discreetly and that he made Drogheda and the White Horse Hotel and the medical missionaries his home for the next 26 years until he died in fact until he died so that was a, a very strong link with the town of Drogheda and then of course one of the key parts of the story is a woman uh, a woman called Janie Askins who became Janie Moore He's, Lewis spent most of his life with this lady even though we know the film Shadowlands is famous for his relationship with this American divorcee uh, Joy Gresham and that's the one that gets all the attention but Lewis just had four years with Joy whereas he spent 24 years with Janie in, at her home in Oxford because of a uh, a long ago vow that he made to a comrade of his who was Janie's son 
And when uh, they made this vow together before the First World War, they were both drafted in at the First World War. And both men made a vow to each other because they'd become very close friends that if either of them were killed during the battles, then the survivor would look after the surviving parent. And so Lewis's friend Paddy Moore was killed. And Lewis then very solemnly took up the vow he'd made with his pal and he looked after Janie Moore for the rest of his life. So it was a long and complex relationship. But she was from County Louth. She was baptised. She was the daughter of a minister who was the minister of Dunlear and Dunaney Rectory, where she was brought up for 26 years, looking after her younger brothers and sisters. And uh, so she had been a County Louth woman. Drogheda had been the connection there as well. Uh, there are and there are other connections with the county that are generally unknown and are not referenced in any of his biographies. So I'm hoping to kind of, I suppose, fill a gap here with this little book. Oh, you certainly yeah. have. Yeah. The MMMs and Mother Mary Martin connection is very interesting indeed with the brother. Yes, yes. And what comes out in the book, because the MMMs were very kind to me. They've given me permission to publish some of the correspondence. Yes. And again, as I say, most of Lewis's work uh, has been published, but this hasn't. And the MMMs gave me the use of their archives, and I was able to publish some of the unknown letters between Warren, that's Lewis's brother, and Mother Mary and the sisters, which brings out something of the relationship they enjoyed that, again, as I say, is largely unknown outside of, outside of uh, the county. There's a picture in this book that just jumped in me as I went through it, and that is of Paddy Townley, um, yes, a yeah. most famous Drahadine. Indeed, indeed, Paddy, yes, absolutely. Paddy Paddy was very generous in sharing his memories with me. Paddy, I'd met Paddy, of course, Paddy and I grew up together on the Wimmer Road in Drogheda, but, uh, but Paddy also at one point shared his memory with me of Warren Lewis many years ago. And uh, I said to him, Paddy, I must get back and talk to you about that sometime. And sadly, I didn't get back to it till till this year, actually. But Paddy was a young porter in the hospital. He was just 17 years of age. And uh, Mother Mary and the sisters, Paddy was a tall, strapping chap and very bright and a very trustworthy man. So they gave him the job of looking after Major Lewis, as he was called, because Major Lewis liked to wander out of the hospital and if he could maybe go to Mossy Downies as it was then or one of the pubs along the road and so Paddy's job was to very discreetly if possible slip the wallet that Warney kept in his back pocket out so he'd no money to spend in the pubs <laughs> and encourage him as gently as he could as diplomatically as he could back to his hospital room do you know and Paddy did a wonderful job there so I'm delighted of Paddy's uh, name and, and picture in the book and his story which as I say he very generously shared yeah it's terrific it really is Another image from the book is the Golden Arrow Guest House at Salterstown in Anagassan. Yes, that's an intriguing place because if you go out there today, all you'll find are the concrete blocks on which the Golden Arrow stood. And the reason they're in concrete blocks is because they were three railway carriages. And they were carriages that came from Northern Ireland railways. It brings you back to another Louth connection, because along with Janie Moore in Oxford, Lewis also had the services of a housekeeper, a cook, called Vera Henry. And Vera Henry was from County Louth. Not only was she from County Louth, but she was also Mrs Moore's godchild. And it was her brother Frank who worked for the Northern Ireland Railways who got the railway carriages. And they turned them into a a summer guest house. And that was the place at which Warren and C.S. Lewis, Jack as he was called, where the pair of them spent many summer holidays, uh, particularly from the late 1940s up until... Lewis's death in 1963. When he was invited to Drogheda first by his brother in 1947, it's fair to say, and you record this in the book, he wasn't impressed. No, he wasn't. (laughs) He said it's a church full of, or a town full of churches and taverns. And he said, what the people do but pray and drink, I don't know. (laughs) 
<laughs> so it wasn't a very flattering first impression. No. But when you dive into the correspondence then and into the diaries, into Warren's diaries especially, you discover that that was a very quick impression and it was kind of influenced by the fact that he was he was coming over in an emergency in a hurry and he wrote this impression almost immediately. But later, as Warren reveals, the pair of them really explored the town, got to know it very well and Lewis was much more impressed by the time he went home a week later than he had been when he arrived. Now, I have to mention a young woman called Eileen Philgate McLean, who is central to this book and its launch and everything to do with it. Yes, Eileen is now a wonderful 92 years of age and she lives in Lisrenny in my former parish of Talonstown. Uh, in a beautiful gate lodge there. But Eileen was a young girl. She was only 16 when Lewis first came to know her because her aunt was Vera Henry. And Vera Henry asked Jack, would he inscribe a Bible that she'd bought for Eileen's confirmation? Would he inscribe it for her? And instead of just inscribing it with his name, he wrote her a beautiful poem on confirmation, which is printed in the book, again, thanks to the generosity of Eileen. And this is an unpublished poem of C.S. Lewis, which again would be very much welcomed by a lot of his fans who've never seen it or read it before. And I think it's a very beautiful poem. Um, And so Eileen then came to stay with Lewis and Warren when Vera sadly died in 1953. And she spent a couple of days with them. and, uh, And she would have met Warren after that also, of course, when he was in Ireland after his his brother's death. Mm. So there were many, many links between Eileen and Vera and Janie. So it's the whole County Louth Mafia, if you like, were in there. But they're all missing from his biographies. So that's why I wanted to write this book. I wanted to make sure that County Louth, our county, as I see it, uh, is put on the map in any future biographies of Lewis. So there's a few copies of this book going straight to a couple of libraries in America, which is which are sources for Lewis material. So I'm hopeful that, you know, some attention will be drawn not only to his connections with County Louth, but with his Irishness. He was so proud of his Irishness. Mm. And yet he's depicted very often as an English scholar or an English writer. That's the popular image a lot of people have. Thanks, of course, to Sir Anthony Hopkins playing him in Shadowlands, the movies. And then also Joss Ackland, another great English actor. Nigel Hawthorne was another man who played him on the stage. All these English, well, well, Hopkins is a Welsh actor, of course, but, mm. but other than that, you get this impression yes. of him being some sort of a an austere English don, when in fact the descriptions of him by his friends, he said he was more like an Ulster farmer than he was like a you know a proper English aristocratic type. Uh, so there's uh, many things. They're to inclined to, to make them their own. You know what I mean? It's not yeah. just you know this. Yeah. It's a way as well, and across right. life also. But he, of course, he was born in Belfast. Um, now, a snug in the glide in comes into play here as well, yes. and comes into play tomorrow for you too. Exactly. Yes, and we're, it's wonderful that snug is still there. I mean, I was astonished when I went out to visit Connor and the family out there in the Glide Inn. And they've, again, they've been so hospitable uh, and offered to allow me to launch it there tomorrow. And um, there is the snug still as it was. The two stools where the two lads used to sit, the two brothers, said they would smoke. They were inveterate smokers. They smoked like chimneys, the pair of them. And uh, they would spend the evening there. And then they'd walk back across the strand when the tide went out all the way back to the Golden Arrow, which in Salterstown, which was three miles away. Uh, <laughs> Full. Full. Well, <laughs> well, certainly Warren was full. Uh, Lewis liked his beer. He particularly liked beer, but I think Warren just about drank anything. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so you're going back to the Snug and the Glide Inn and Anagaston tomorrow for the launch. Yes. So when yes. is it happening, Paul? So it's happening at 2.30 tomorrow afternoon. And uh, Eileen Blesser is going to come and launch it for us. So I just feel so privileged that we have our last living link, if you like, with C.S. Lewis and his brother is going to launch the book tomorrow. So that's a tremendous joy for me, I have to say. Surely is. And 2.30 in the afternoon. Is it an open house? It's an open house. There you are, folks. Everybody's welcome. Glide in tomorrow, half past two, to meet this wonderful man and Eileen Philgate McLean. You, I want to say this in conclusion. You really have added so much with this to Thanks, the story so of C.S. Lewis, may I say. 
and I appreciate this chance to, to talk about can I just mention where else it will be available yeah we, it's also available at the moment in the Forgefield farm shop in Termenfecken there's some copies there Father Morton done Leo Church because that was a parish uh, they were from they're going to have it there Veritas in Dublin are stocking it and if you want it personally from me just write to cslwecounty at yahoo.com and I'll send you a personally signed copy I won't charge you for the postage it's 10 euros a copy I will personally send it to you if you do that cslwecounty at yahoo.com and that's the copy. email there that's folks the email. for the yeah. book and you won't get a better offer than that no <laughs> postage what's happening in Ireland no charge and the book is on its way to you congratulations <laughs> thanks so much on Jerry. a wonderful book and I wish you well read and at the launch tomorrow thank Father you Father Paul thanks Clayton so Lee thank you thanks. we're heading to Bristol now on late launch to say hello to Alethea hi Alethea hello Jerry. it's good to talk to you and good to talk to you too Trim is where you spent a lot of your lifetime tell us about that yeah I grew up in Trim I'm, I'm uh, half Irish half Cypriot um, so a, a bit of a mixture but I, I left Trim now uh, to come over to London to uh, continue my, my studies I was down in alone for a bit and uh, yeah uh, Trim Trim's, Trim's my home Trim is your home now the reason you're with me people are thinking why is Jerry talking to Alethea <laughs> in Bristol this afternoon ex-resident of Trim but it's all to do with spicers isn't it well, it is. And I'm sorry, that's why I went off there on a tangent, because uh, I was remembering, um, uh, I was talking to Louise there earlier, but the time when I came over to England, we used to love going into spices uh, and, and uh, getting the, the, the Chester cake. And when I went to London, I thought, oh, I have to have, to have some Chester cake. And I thought, Chester, they're going to know what I'm talking about. Went into a bakery and a Chester cake. No, not a clue what I was on about. And they would describe it. It's, it's, it's sort of a fruitcake sandwiched between two pieces of pastry. No, <laughs> it just it also looked at me like I had two heads. <laughs> and, and have you ever managed to get anything nearly like it since? No, the nearest I've ever had is uh, when I was home and, and oh, I was out in Kinnegad and there's a, a shop there will do something similar, but no one has the same sort of a flavour as, as the spices one. Ate it. And, and so I, I gave up asking over here because they just thought I was mad. Because so, when you describe it, it doesn't sound right at all. You know, cake in between a bit of pastry and a heavy fruit cake. But you know, you weren't alone yesterday because so many people uh, contacted us about the Chester cake. So it really was so popular and a big hit uh, at the time. Were you listening in yesterday that you contacted us, or how did you come across it from Bristol? <laughs> I I have you here. I'm working away on my laptop at home here in Bristol, and I have you on uh, the, the internet. Lovely. I download you, and I listened to you that way, and I heard it. And do you know something else, Jerry? I'll tell you something else. There was somebody mentioned yesterday about going into um, spices to get fresh yeast. Now, I have a memory. This is way back in the 70s, um, but... You couldn't get fresh yeast because uh, it had certain explosive qualities. So you could only get dried yeast. Yes. And the only place that had fresh yeast was in the bakery. And I remember my dad from Cyprus wanted to make, uh, oh, there's a, a sort of a, a separate dumpling, and they're called uh, Lugamadis. And he wanted to make these for us. And he needed fresh yeast. So we, we trooped into to spices and said, would you sell us a bit of fresh yeast? No, couldn't possibly do that. It, it was, it was, well, that's what they told us anyway. That it was banned. We, we weren't allowed yes. to buy fresh yeast. So, yeah, we never did. We never did get our yeast. So I, I heard that yesterday. Somebody was saying about the yeast. Yeah. I thought, oh, God, they wouldn't sell us any. <laughs> <laughs> and you know I have a memory of that at the time as well because we lived in strange times with people yeah. using uh, s- certain materials that cause bedlam and I think that for sure was one of them how do you pronounce your surname because Louise said to me don't even give it a go you she said to me <laughs> it's Chrysostomu Oh, very good. Thank you for pronouncing <laughs> pronouncing it for me but look Alethea it's lovely to talk to you on the show today and keep listening 
Oh, I will. I will indeed. And, and great to talk to you. And thanks very much for calling. It's been great to share memories. And with you too. Lovely, lovely memories about spices. Bye, Alethea. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Isn't that just fantastic? Love that. Love all the connections that's been happening the last few days here in Late Lunch. Thanks to Spicers. Back to your comments on Late Lunch. Hi, Jerry. Listening to you and the lovely lady from Spices brought back so many beautiful, happy memories to me. My friend Breda, who's living in Kilmally and Ennis now, used to come up to County Mead with her mum and dad, go to Spices and buy their fresh bread and always a cake. Breda would put a huge amount of butter on the bread she still does Jerry, and eat it thanks for a lovely show uh, don't mention my name and uh, my friend Breda just wanted me to mention this to you on the show thank you Lily uh, hi Jerry. great stories about spices Patsy Sheridan was our bread man he called every Wednesday and Saturday to us in screen the bread was absolutely delicious <laughs> you'd be very hungry listening to late lunch wouldn't you you know we love our foods oh do we love our foods on late lunch I just want to mention somebody as well got a lovely message from the uk to say that jerry my mammy's staying with me in leicester and it's the first time she's been with me in three years due to covid and she's listening to lmfm because she said she has to have it she feels like she's at home she's from the bath road in balbriggan and her name is harriet fennelly and i want to say a big hello to her today hello harriet i hope you're enjoying the show and i'm going to dedicate my song uh, for my artist of the week to you today. Oh, by the way, it's time for it now anyway. The Late Lunch Artist of the Week. Artist of the Week. Yes, and it is Dolly Parton this week. 1974. God, that was a huge year for her. She had three solo number ones with Love Is Like a Butterfly, which I played Monday. Jolene was my song yesterday and the one I'm going to play for you today, which she wrote herself. She also hit Top Spot uh, with a duet with Porter Wagner called Please Don't Stop Loving Me. Beyond 1974 and right up to 1980, she scored eight number ones in the US country charts, but her musical influence extended into the world of popular music, with the likes of Linda Ronstadt, Emmylou Harris and Olivia Newton-John, the late Olivia Newton-John, uh, covering her songs with wonderful success. And in 1980, do you remember this one? I remember going to see it in the cinema myself. She scored a massive hit with the theme song from 9 to 5 the movie which topped the contemporary charts worldwide back to my Dolly track today which she originally wrote and recorded in 1973 and it was written as a farewell to her mentor and business partner Porto Wagner as Dolly set out on her solo career here she is in company bittersweet memoir that is all I am taking with me. Goodbye. Please don't you cry. Cause we both know I'm not what you Yes, my artist of the week, Miss Dolly Parton. With Mr. Vince Gill, country music legend to their duet. And her song, that's Dolly's song. She wrote that song. And listen to this. Elvis wanted to cover the song. Oh, he really did. (laughs) But he wanted 50% of the royalties. No go with our Dolly, shrewd businesswoman. But in 1992, Whitney Houston, The Bodyguard... She recorded it, covered it on Dolly's terms and listen to this, sold more than 20 million records. The biggest selling single of all time by any female artist ever in the world. And Dolly's bank account went ka-ching, ka-ching. It did indeed. Clever woman for sure. Anyway, more about Dolly in words and song round about this time tomorrow on Late Lunch. Yes, Jerry, you are so right, says a listener. Queen Elizabeth left Buckingham Palace at 
22 precisely. What did I tell you? They wouldn't miss that. Not a chance they'd miss it. The C.S. Lewis book, we'll get you the details of where you can order it from Paul Clayton Lee. There are a number of people looking for it there. I'll get that for you and I'll remind you about it tomorrow. I promise you on the show. And Jerry, the perfect place for Garrett. Garth Brooks is Slane Castle. I was at him last Friday night. He was electric, brilliant. You just love the show, says Teresa. Garrett for Slane Castle. It's booked this year, isn't it? Next year, should I say. Yes, Harry Styles is there. And there's rumour there will be a second Slane concert next year. Coldplay, please. Coldplay, Henry. Coldplay, second concert. Are you listening? I know he listens to Late Lunch. We love him, of course, here on the show. No need to remind you, the world is awash with plastic. Not only the landmass, but the oceans too. It is a massive, massive problem going forward. So any way we can do our little bit to help is welcome. Well, soon, in October, a Solutions for Plastic Problems workshop event, and it goes on from the 3rd to the 19th of October, is happening across County Loud. And to tell me more, I'm delighted I'm joined this afternoon by Head of Education at the Rediscovery Centre, Sarah Clear. Hello, Sarah. Hi, Terry. How are you? Thank you so much for having me on today. Not at all. You're very, very welcome. Well, I suppose you're going to do something that will educate the rest of us. But back at source, is the world waking up and manufacturers and companies who use plastic by the new time that they've got to change? Absolutely. It's it's such a huge problem. I think more and more people are becoming aware of it and seeing what the impact of plastics are. Like a truly shocking fact is that by the year 2050, there's going to be more plastic in our oceans than there are fish. Wow. That's scary. Her scary, horrendous. So we just hope that the governments and the people with influence and the companies are using technology, science, etc. and everything to replace this uh, deluge of plastic. Now, tell us Absolutely. about these uh, workshops that are going to happen. What's the aim of the game? The aim of the workshops is to educate people about what they can do and how they can make changes both in their lives and in their communities and also to put pressure on businesses, on different organisations as well to create solutions for these plastic issues. So we're delivering nine different workshops, so all over County Louds. And these workshops are funded by the leader programme in County Louds as well. So uh, we just want to say thank you very much as well to Louds Leader Partnership for that. So, so these workshops are free for members of the public, yep. so adults, to come along and take part. It's all hands-on, fun and interactive. And we're going to be doing lots of engaging activities and really looking at, first of all, what individuals can do to take action and make changes in their lives and also what groups and community organisations can um, can do to undertake initiatives and action projects as well in their communities to make a difference to this. And this is for me and anybody else listening, ordinary folk and business people involved in business can get something from this as well. Absolutely hugely, because it's actually costing businesses quite a lot. It costs money to produce plastic, and when, we're, when different... Um, Companies are buying plastics into the shop. They're actually paying for the plastic that's then going straight into the recycling bin or to incineration or landfill as well. It's a massive problem. It's costing everyone money. It's costing our society money. And it's also having a huge impact on the environment around us and people around us as well. So it's great for anyone who's interested to get involved. The workshops, as I said, are totally free and we'd welcome absolutely anybody along as well. We're going to be having a lot of discussions as well where people can talk about what some of the real issues are, ask the questions, and our fabulous facilitators are going to be there to help educate people and actually help them create solutions. How do people register? If you go on to our website, so www.rediscoverycentre.ie slash events, you can book directly through there. You can also find it through Eventbrite and you can find more information as well if you just Google Solutions for Plastic Problems Workshop in County Louds. Lots of different ways to book. And um, if you'd like to call as well, so if anyone's unfamiliar or doesn't like going online, you can call our office as well on 018933801. 
I wish you well with it because this is a problem that needs addressing by all of us and there's much more that can be done beyond the recycling, the incineration or the landfill for sure. Thank you for joining me today, Sarah. Jerry, thank you so much and hopefully we might see you there. I'll do my best in October. I'll try and get along if I can at all. Thanks a million. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Jerry. Thank bye, you. Bye-bye. Bye. To register re, uh, to register for the events in October, rediscoverycentre.ie forward slash event or on Eventbrite as well. I'll check it out. Uh, County Loud Plastic Recycling. You'll find out all the information there. That's a lot on late lunch for today. Tomorrow on the show, Dave Hewitt is joining me to talk about about the dilemma he faces homework versus activity for his children Siobhan Gibbons Eileen Rush's lovely sister reflects on Eileen and the year without her her anniversary is coming up soon and Pauline Ashwood is here the Drogheda Classical is back for a new season see you tomorrow at 1.30 Eddie Caffrey's on the way with the drive oh I love this one Ed Sheeran to play out on late lunch today have a lovely Wednesday bye I took an arrow to the heart I never kissed a mouth that tastes like yours Strawberries and something more Ooh yeah, I want it all Lipstick on my guitar Fill up the engine, we can drive real far Go dancing underneath the stars Ooh yeah, I want it all mm, got me feeling like I wanna be that guy I wanna kiss you right LMFM Podcasts. With CNC Carpets, we bring the showroom to you. Or book a new showroom appointment on 87 660 4237. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.